Amen. Tonight, if you'll take your Bibles and open them to Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11, something that you've read this week, as we want to, to look over that and to see how that will line up and go along with us. And as we look at this, I uh, want to just share with you, I want to give you a couple of scenarios and let you think about this tonight. But we have all experienced having children around us and children wanting something, wanting a toy. And, and we usually say, go clean your room or do something. And we, we set something up for them. And just imagine now that you are the adult responsible for this child. This child is wanting to go to Disneyland. We'll just throw that out there. Most kids like to go to Disneyland. And you give them the responsibility of cleaning their room uh, before they take the trip. And the child standing before you, there's two of them there, and you say, I need you to go clean your room. And one of them says, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. And they leave and they go and they clean the room. And then there's another one and you say, you need to go clean your room. I'll just go and I'll go do it. And you go later and it's not done. How does that make you feel? But I want to leave that with you as we go into Deuteronomy 11. If you would please stand as we read through Deuteronomy 11. We're going to read through the chapter here. So just bear with this as we go through. Talking about the attitude tonight. And the writing says, You shall therefore love the Lord your God, and always keep His charge, His statutes, His ordinances, and His commandments. Know this day that I am not speaking with your sons who have not known and who have not seen the discipline of the Lord your God, His greatness, His mighty hand, and His outstretched arms and his signs and his works which he did in the midst of Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and what he did to Egypt's army, to its horses and its chariots, when he made the water of the Red Sea engulf them while they were pursuing you, and the Lord completely destroyed them, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place." And what he did to Dathan and to Abram, the sons of Elab, the son of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them, their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them among all Israel. But your own eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord which he did. You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding you today so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, so that you may prolong your days on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land into which you are entering to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water it with your foot like a vegetable garden. But the land into which you are about to cross to possess it, a land of hills and valleys, drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land from which the Lord your God cares 
The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it, from the beginning even to the end of the year. It shall come about if you listen obediently to the commandments which I am commanding to you to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that he will give the rain for your land in its season to the early and the late rain that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. He will give grass to your fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruit and you will perish quickly for the good land which the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall teach them to your sons, talking to them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates so that the days and the days of your sons may be multiplied on the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens remain above the earth. For if you are careful to keep all the commandments which I am commanding to you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your border will be from the wilderness to Lebanon, and from the river to the river Euphrates as far as the western sea. No man will be able to stand before you. The Lord your God will lay the dread of you and the fear of you on all the land on which you set foot as he has spoken to you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you listen to my commandment of the Lord your God, which I am commanding you today. And the curse if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today by following other gods which you have not known. It shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land where you are entering to possess it, that you shall place the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not across the Jordan, west of the way toward the sunset in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah opposite Gilead beside the oaks of Morah? For you are about to cross the Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall possess it and live in it. And you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the judgments when I am setting before you today. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, would you help us tonight to hear from you? And Father God, I just pray everything in the precious and the most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Maybe see, you're going to be looking at the attitude. And I think this scripture really gets to the point of the attitude. We've talked on Sunday mornings as we've looked at the different feasts about them coming into worship 
and them bringing offerings. We had a Sunday that we talked about giving our tithes and offerings. And what we need to understand is it's not about the act necessarily as it is the attitude that is involved in what we do. God tells us that He wants us to give with a a gracious heart. He wants us to give out, out of love. And tonight I want us to look at how this begins to be set up. The first thing I want us to see is it is the attitude of the heart that matters. It's the attitude of the heart. And we see that if you look at in chapter 11 there, verse 8, it says, You shall therefore keep every commandment which I am commanding to you today, so that you may be strong and go in and possess the land to which you are about to possess it, so that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to your father to give to them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. It's about obeying the Lord, but we're talking about the attitude of the heart. When we look at obeying the Lord, he tells us that by obeying him, it's going to allow us to be strong. It was going to allow the Israelite people that if they were obeying him, that God would take care of them and that they would be strong. They would be able to go in and they'd be able to take these lands. They'd be able to go in and possess a land that was not theirs. They would be able to prolong their days. He's, he's giving them these blessings and telling them that if you go and that if you obey what I'm asking you to do, here's what's going to happen. And in verse 13, we see where he really gets to the heart of the matter when he says, it shall come about if you listen obediently to my commandments, which I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. He's getting to the point here, it's not just about obeying him, but it's about obeying him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. Now, we're all familiar with the heart. Miss Madeline, maybe more than some of us, it's an organ in our body that pumps blood. Without the heart, we wouldn't have life because the organ wouldn't be pumping and the blood wouldn't be moving through. But Moses is writing more than just about that organ of the heart. He's writing about the heart that is more than just the pumping, but it's the intellectual function. It's what drives us. It's what helps the brain and the the nervous system when we look at all of that as we move forward. The word for heart in some form or fashion is used more than 1,000 times in Scripture. Sometimes it is talking about that organ of pumping blood. But often it's talking about our intellect, who we are. It's more than just right here. We talk about from the mind to the heart. We can have something in the mind, but that's not what drives us. That's not what moves us forward. That that mind is maybe doing something just because you're told you have to do it, and you do it out of an obedience, but you don't have a desire. You don't have a drive to do it. That's what God wants. He wants to be loved. Well, I think we've talked before about do you want someone who loves you because they want to or do you want someone who loves you because they're forced to? That's the difference. God wants it to be from our heart. We're to love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our 
intellect and all that we are, but it also talks about the soul. And when reading in that, it talked about a narrower sense of the soul denotes the man and his varied emotions and the inward power. Our heart, our soul, what's coming from inside? We hear that Jesus was um, looking out over the crowd and he had compassion, talking about coming from his bowels, from the inside. God is asking that we love him with the attitude of the heart, with our heart, our soul, who we are, more than just in our mind. And God gives, when we do these things, when we're serving God out of our heart, he gives. Look there at in verses 14 and 15. It says to there 13, to, to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. Verse 14, that he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early and the late rain that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. When we have an attitude of the heart to love God and to serve him from the heart and the soul, he's going to give. He told them, when you do this, I'm going to give you the rain. Well, it's the same thing for us today. When we serve him out of the attitude of the heart and from our soul, he provides for what we need. God is the one that sent the rain. He sent the rain at the beginning of the crop, at the middle of the crop. He supplied for the needs of the crop. He supplied for the grass and the field for the cattle. You know what we need, God will supply. But God wants it from the heart. And that part, it's not just doing it because you have to, but because you want to. It's what drives you. And God provides blessings when that happens. He's going to provide for what we need. But he also said there in verse 17 that if you didn't do that, that there was going to be anger if they didn't do that as they moved into the promises land. He said, or the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will shut up the heavens so there will be no rain and the ground will not yield its fruits and you will perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you from the good land. He says, if you don't do this, and he's going to provide his anger. But he moves on from just talking about the attitude of the heart, but he went to the attitude of the mind. That is the brain sitting on the top. That's what drives us. That's what keeps our body going. And when we think of mind, we often think of school. Some of them are happy because they're out for 30 days. I don't know what the parents are going to do while these kids are out of school. Hopefully they won't terrorize everything around. But we think of the mind, we think of what? Education. We think of teaching. We we think of learning. We think of maturing and and growing up. You know, if we didn't have a mind, we would be a, a robot. And that's not what God's after. He wants it from our heart, but the attitude of the mind, he talks about teaching them, that we have a responsibility of teaching them. Look there at verse 19. It says, you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. They're to teach the children. God is saying, you know, when you go into this territory, you need to keep teaching your children because, you know, Moses 
He isn't crossing over into the promised land with them. He disobeyed what God did, and because of that, he lost that blessing of crossing over into the promised land. But God used him in a mighty way. But he said, you've got to keep teaching your children. And when this began, that first part of 11, who is he talking to? They're standing there at the foot of the promised land. And who Moses is giving this command to, most of them were not in Egypt and they didn't experience the slavery. Most of them were not there when they went through the plagues as they crossed out and the Red Sea was parted. Because what happened? Remember, they went up and they went against the Lord and they chose not to go in and take over the territory. And the Lord said, all of you that are 20 years and up, you're going to die before we go in. So most of those standing here at the foot, if they were, they would have not have seen these things. 40 years So we know that they didn't come out of Egypt. But you need to keep teaching them why. How else do we have the statutes? How did you learn about God? Most of you, someone taught you. And it is the responsibility of the family to do the teaching. It's not the school's responsibility. The church's primary responsibility is not teaching the children. That is what we do, but it is the parents' responsibility. It is the parents' responsibility to teach these on as we come to church in a community environment and we learn and we move on, but we must be teaching them and we need to do it. He says that they're all the time, all the time. Look back in verse 19. He says, when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you rise up, is there any other time left? Basically, as you're making your way through life, things around us can become teaching points. All of us, some people learn by reading, some learn better by hearing, some by seeing, but we all like points and things that help us with that. And as you're going through life, we need to be teaching and growing. You know, you're sitting around the house. What better way to use an opportunity to teach when you're sitting there? Of course, they didn't have this, but you're sitting there watching TV. And maybe something good comes on that you can use, but how often have you been sitting in front of a TV and something pop up that is against what we believe? What an opportunity to stop right then and teach those around us. What an opportunity for us to pick up and learn that. As you're going along the road, as they were traveling and going about, there was opportunities to teach when they were lying down and when they were rising up. And it says to not only to teach it, but to keep them in front of them. Look there at verse 20 with me. It says, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Can you say that with me? Doorpost of your house and on your gates. What does that mean? When you're walking out of the door, you're leaving, you see it. A reminder. When you're going out of the gate, they would have gates around their property. You would see it as they were coming in. He says, do what you need to do to to set up reminders so that it's constantly before you. Because I promise Satan don't want you to know God's will. He don't want you to know what's going on. He's going to always try to distract you. But if it's always in front of you, you can keep them in front of you. And it talked there about those things. And we've seen it before that 
Some of the Jews will put those things around their head and it has a little box and it. Some of that has a Shema written into it or, or they have things wrapped around their arms to help them remember what they were doing. God's saying, put things in front of you. You know, we today, we hang posters and pictures in the house. Do you hang something that has a Bible verse on it? I encourage you to take, if you're trying to learn a scripture, and I encourage you to memorize scripture because that's where the Holy Spirit can use that in this battle that we have to fight. Take a little index card, write a scripture on it, put it on the bathroom mirror. Put it on the washer. You go through our house on the washer, on the, the dryer, the bathroom mirror. You know, when I was trying to do one, a good place to put it, that little visor in your car, you flip it down, there it is in front of you. And be careful that you're not reading it while you're driving too much. You might glance at it. But always have something in front of you to help you remember this. And remember that it's about the attitude of the heart and the mind. You can get out there and you can do these things because you say, well, God's going to bless me if I do this. Look at what I'm fixing to get, what I'm going to do for God. That's not the attitude of the heart. We do it because God loves us and out of that love and his blessing, we do these things to motivate and to drive us. But it's more than just the attitude of the heart and the attitude of the mind. But what about the attitude of the war? What do I mean by the attitude of the war? Let's look at uh, verse 23. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. How many of you today walk in warfare? Well, don't all raise your hand. We all do. We are constantly in battle against Satan. And when we have that attitude of of the war and we're thinking about that armor of God, when we're doing out of a heart, when it is instilled into our mind and our heart and what we're moving forward to do, we can fight that battle. Actually, it says there that the Lord will drive out nations. The Lord will fight battles and we can go through it. It says you'll possess nations greater than you and mightier than you. I don't know about you, but I can't fight Satan. I can't. But when I am doing what God's taught me to, I'm spending time with him and we're obeying him. He gives us that power and we can fight those battles and we can fight things greater than us. Because let me tell you, in our flesh, the temptation is greater than we are. But when we stand in God's word we're able to resist that temptation. We're able to fight it. We're able to fight stronger battles. And it tells us that we're going to, in that attitude of the war, that we're going to have victory. Look at 25. It says, No man will be able to stand before you. The Lord your God will lay the dread of you and the fear of you on the land on which you set foot as he has spoken to you. In this war that we're battling against Satan, when we have this attitude of the heart and the mind, we'll have victory. And let me tell you, when we're walking in the power of God's word, Satan himself will fear you. The greatest, strongest person on this earth right now will fear you. 
Satan will want to run from you. That's why he don't want you to know this word. He don't want you to spend time with God. He don't want you to to grow in your faith because we become stronger and then we go out there. He don't want us to go out and make disciples of men and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because we're taking away from him. But when we go out in the attitude of him sending us and us being in his word and being right with him, We have the power to fight that. We have the power to fight. I've had y'all over the last several weeks, and we ain't talked about it much, about sharing and asking someone, has anyone told you today that Jesus loves you? If I had asked y'all that a year ago and just said, go out there and do it, you'd been intimidated. Many of us have. Why don't we share our faith? We're fear of rejection or intimidation. But after talking about it and knowing that the strength that God gives and it's unconfrontational, many of you have done it. We have gone out and we've had the strength to say those things. We can have victory from the Lord, but also we have the attitude of choices. We don't have to do this. You can live your life exactly the way you want to. That's what I love about our God. We're not robots. He doesn't make us do anything. He gives us what's special. You know what is special about us than all the other creation is we have a free will. That free will bars all the way down to salvation. And even within salvation, are we going to follow him? Are we going to listen to him? Let's look at um, verse... 26. He says, See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. It's about a choice. And scripture goes on and tells him that whether to go and do that blessing. And we've seen through it, what is the blessing? If you will listen to God and you will serve him with your heart and with your mind. He's going to pour blessings on you. Not just that, there are blessings that come along with following things that God said. We can take God's law and we can look, even though we're not strictly commanded today to abide by the letter of the law when it comes to the dietary restrictions that they had at one time. But if you follow those, I promise you there's blessings that come. Things we eat today that taste really good, They're not that good for us. There's many people today in the hospital because of the junk that's been produced that we eat. And we have that choice. And and I know this goes a lot further than that. But when we obey what God does, he does it for our own good. The blessings, he knows how life is to operate. But he says, you have that choice. You can choose blessings by following his commandments with your heart and your mind, or you can choose to not and you can have the curse. You know, that goes way beyond just that. We can choose to receive salvation or we can choose not to and receive the curse of hell, the curse of being separated from him from all time. You see, it's the attitude of our choices attitude of our heart 
the attitude of our mind. It'll be the attitude of war and the attitude of choices. You remember when I began that we talked about the little boy? And one of them, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and he went off and he cleaned his room. And then there was another one that said, yeah, I'll do it. And he just stomped off and didn't do it. Let me ask you a question. If that was your two children, what would you do for the one that said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and went and did exactly what you asked them to do? You're going to bless them with whatever the setup was. If you do this, this is what's going to happen. Would you agree with that, that you would want to reward that child? And the one who just grumbled under their breath and stomped off and chose not to do it even though they said they did, or maybe they even did go in there and do it, and you've seen it, they're slinging stuff and they're banging stuff on the cabinet. What are you going to want to do to them? Pick them up and wear them out, right? If we are like that, imagine how much better our God is. Scripture talks about that too. God wants to bless and reward. He says, here's your blessing if you do this. If you choose this side, here's your curse. We understand that. Do we put it into our faith to God? Do we worship and serve Him out of the heart and the mind? Or do we do it begrudgingly? Do we come to worship because we want to experience Him and that that is our driving force and we worship Him with our heart, our soul, and our mind? Or do we come here because that's what some people still do in the 21st century? I believe I know most of your hearts around here. There's an awful lot of people in our community that don't go anywhere. Are they missing out on a blessing? I believe so. Are they living in a curse? I believe some are. There are a lot of people that are not in our churches, not saying it has to be Mount Olivet, but a Bible-preaching church meeting with fellow believers that are sick and hurting today. And if I look at Scripture, I have to say maybe there's a correlation there. But it's about the attitude. We could fill that sanctuary up in there, overflow. We could put speakers out in the parking lot. And if they're here with the wrong attitude, they're going to leave exactly the same way they came. If we honor God with the wrong attitude, it's like we're not even doing it. So remember, it's about the attitude things that we talk about doing, we don't do them to earn anything with God. We do them out of love back to God because of what He's done with us, His redemptive nature. Remember as you serve the Lord, it's more about your attitude than what you're actually doing. May you bow your heads.